Good evening. It's time to get the service started. Good to see everybody out on prayer meeting. And um, let's remember the kids um, starting back in school this week. And let's keep them and keep the teachers in their prayers and keep mom and daddy in their prayers, right? Um, I know Brother Mike and y'all do prayer requests. Is there anything pressing we need to make mention of before we get started? All right, if not, Brother Clay, how about you take us to the Lord in prayer? All right, let's go ahead and start the singing off. Page 55 in the brown book. You can keep your seats. Very long till this life shall end. It won't be very long till Jesus shall descend and then the daddy cries from bed to flesh arise to meet the Lord and King up yonder in the sky. It won't be very long. It won't be very long till Jesus shall appear. Turn the 
disciples came to the land, the soul made Christ for man. Oh, the master called unto them, come and die. There they found their hearts inside, red and fish upon the fire. This is satisfied, so hungry every time. Come and die, the master called him, come and die. Here and feast in Jesus' table all the time. He who found a to turn the water into wine. To the hungry call him now, come and die. Soon the lamb will take his pride to be ever at his side. All the hosts of heaven will assemble big. Oh, to be a glorious sight. Oh, the saints of spotless light. And the Jesus' table feast eternally. Come and die, the master call it, come and die. Good may feast in Jesus' table all the time. He who failed not to turn the water into wine. To the hungry call it back, come and die. Let's do one more, page 165, let's all stand. There's a city of light where they come in no night or the sun never sets in the sky.
chorus one more time. everybody it's good to see everybody out tonight just got a, a couple of quick announcements um tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the fellowship hall having uh, the uh, last ladies uh group uh, bible study so if you're part of that please be here for that um remember right after service tonight uh, we're going to have our uh, conference uh so if you're a member please stay for that and next wednesday remember we're starting up our crusaders for christ so uh please be here for that uh Miss Sue's going to cook for us, starting again, and feed everybody at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to try to do a little bit different. We're going to try to get the tables and all put up and, and start Crusaders at 6.45 if we can. So, uh, so kind of remember that, if you, if you, if you will. Kind of give a little, a little bit of extra time uh, with the studies and that kind of thing. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and take prayer requests. Anybody have any prayer requests? Yes, sir. Steve Hill and Kevin Woody. Donald Carter. Okay. Amberly Roach. Okay. Sharon Bell. Okay. Gail Vickers and Karina Atkins. Excuse me. Peggy Phillips, okay. 
Angela Tanner, yes. Sherry Seabolt and Bobby Shoemaker. And Tina Prockner. Okay. Anyone else? All right, let's, let's everybody come up and uh, let's pray for everybody. Pray for Brother uh, uh, Josh Nix as he uh, gives us a message to this, this evening. Amazing. 
chapter 11 the book of Acts chapter 11 
once again, I just want to tell everybody thank you for the hospitality, generosity, and just welcome us in. And we've enjoyed preaching for y'all and hope the Lord answers y'all's prayer uh, during this time. And we just want to be a blessing uh, for y'all tonight uh, and bring you the word that God has given us. Um, one of my favorite Bible characters is who I want to preach on tonight. And I want to preach on this man by the name of Barnabas. And in verse 19 of Acts chapter 11, if you would all stand in reverence to the reading. In verse 19 it says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Acts is a transitional book. So this wasn't going to be the norm, but they're not knowing how to act. They're, they just knew that Jesus had come preaching to the Jews, wouldn't really focus on the Gentiles, but we, we've all read Acts, so we kind of know where we're going with this. But this is the norm where they're at, and this is the transitional chapter here. And some of them, which were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them. And a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was at which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all. You got to watch people when the Lord is moving in a service and, and they get nervous. They don't get in with you. They're being critical of you. Sometimes it might be yourself. That's kind of your litmus test. That everything's not all right. Somebody's getting help. Somebody's getting right with the Lord. And you're just being judgmental. That flesh isn't right. <laughs> and, uh, but, but Barnabas wasn't like that. He got stirred in the, in, in the Lord. He, he was like John in Revelation. Who said John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Uh, now you can preach that from a play on words. Uh, I understand that he got in the Spirit, he saw things through the Spirit showing him, but if you had asked somebody who's going to be filled in a church service, it's going to be John. John was one of those, he was going to shout, he was going to pray, you never knew when John was going to start, it, he was just filled with the Spirit, and this is how Barnabas was. It said, for he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. You can be seated. Father, please take this message, take these words, and please bless the people tonight. Give them something that they can take with them, that they can learn from. Please meet with us tonight. Stir our hearts. Please fill me up and pour me out for the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's consider Barnabas here tonight. There's a lot of disciples that may have been more preferred, but the emphasis in these chapters is on Barnabas. He's easy to overlook. 
And some people in your life, it's easy to overlook. But Barnabas' name meant son of consolation. And he was always helping people. He was always consoling people. That was his heart. Uh, whatever Barnabas went through in his history, Brother Terry made him where somebody's going through trouble, somebody's hurting, somebody's suffering, something in his heart would hurt for him, would bleed for him. And you don't really appreciate people like that until you've been through a trial. Until maybe you've messed up and you need someone to say, you can make it. Just get back in that book. Get, get, get right and just get in church. Just get back in it. And somebody encourages you. I've had many people in my life do that on occasion. Not a lot, but, but I said that wrong. I've had a few people, not many. And I've had many people be a blessing to me, but that ministry of consolation, when you're really low, one of my former pastors, Brother Lamar Purcell, that's his ministry. Uh, it is consoling and comforting. I remember my wife's brother was in a bad motorcycle wreck. And we were in Savannah. They life-flighted him there. And he ended up being there for a month, but were there for the first week. And he had called to check on him, and we, which you, you, know, you expected, but... The, I didn't expect them to come down all the way to Savannah, but all of a sudden they show up, and it was at a moment when my wife needed it, our family needed it, and you never forget that, those acts of kindness. He consoled us. There's been times when my heart was broken and some things we went through. There's some people that you picked up the phone, uh, and you can call them, and they recognize hurt, they recognize need, and it comforts you, it encourages you. And we need more people like this with Barnabas, because notice Barnabas. Notice that his, first of all, that he had a mission when we first are introduced to him. It's like it just pulls him out of nowhere. We're not told how he got saved, but somewhere, Brother Clay, somewhere he got born again, and his life got saved. I don't know if he was one of the uh, what, what was it, 500 that saw the Lord? I, I don't know if he was one of them or if he was one of the ones when that persecution got born again, but he, uh, he got in church. He, he, he wanted to be involved in church. Uh, Brother Mike, nobody had to beg him to help with the ministry, to drive a van, to drive a bus. Nobody. He just jumped in and did it. And now he's being sent on a mission here. 200, it don't sound like much. These names just kind of drop but this was 280 miles. Now, whether he was riding in a wagon, whether he was riding a horse, or whether he was walking, that's a lot of distance back in the day. This isn't, uh, this isn't a cool state. This isn't parts of California, you know, that's known for being 70 years around. This wasn't it. This was the Middle East. It was hot, and they sent him on a journey. And his purpose was to see what's going on. We hear that Gentiles are getting saved, that the word's being preached. We hear that, uh, that these knuckleheads from Cyprus and Cyrene are preaching. Uh, you know, I thought they're supposed to be preaching just to the Jews, but they're, they're preaching to the Greeks. And you know about the Greeks. I mean, they're wicked. And why are they doing this? And we want some uh, research to be done. We want some surveillance and you find out that 
Antioch ended up being the emphasis. Before it was said and done, and Jerusalem ends up getting weak. You, you find out that, that people from around start trying to help Ant, uh, Jerusalem. But Antioch, that's where we get our Textus Receptus. That's where uh, every good manuscript that's come through is through Antioch. And so Antioch gets the premiere because of people like this. So they just came and they didn't care what. They just were glad they were born again. You know, it's hard to preach and be excited if you've never been born again. These men were excited, Brother Tim, with the message they had. And they found these Greeks just listening to them. They said, well, they'll listen to them. I'll preach to them. These Jewish brethren over here ain't really listening to us a lot. So I'm just going to preach to whoever will listen. And they started getting saved. And more than preaching, it said the hand of the Lord was with them. I love preaching, but I really love preaching when the hand of the Lord's on me. It's most, if, it's most disappointing, and I appreciate the Liberty Sunday. But I've been in some places where there wasn't liberty, and you prepared, and the hand of the Lord isn't there. And then there's been some times where there's only been a few people, and you could hardly read the text. The hand of the Lord was so heavy. Uh, I, I went and helped one service a few months back at uh, an assisted living home. Uh, and there weren't many people there. Three of them were asleep. And, and so I was a little discouraged, but Terry, and I, but I started reading my text. And, and I was preaching on Philemon, and I got to the part where Paul said, but for love's sake. And man, there was something that just blew through there. Again, they weren't shouting amen. They were still asleep. But the Lord's hand was there as real as one of y'all sitting in the, and you never forget those moments like that. And they never forgot it. And they're like, this feels good preaching. And then it really feels good when not only people start believing, but a great number start believing. They didn't have enough to, you know, normally like when we're in a jail, you know, one person's preaching and then another person, uh, you know, you're doing the invitation and then another person leads them to the Lord. Well, they've got so many coming. They didn't know what to do with them. And it was a great number. And they're excited. And here, here Barnabas is like, I'm going to go come see what's going on. So he, this is why he's coming. And his reaction, as I said, he, he saw it. And he said, oh, I recognize grace. You see what I'm saying? It said when he had seen the grace of God, nobody, Brother Marty, had to tell him what the grace of God was. When he's praying, Lord, we need your grace. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was praying. This was not theory. He, he had experience. He, he, had, uh, he had participated in, in, in that well of grace. And he knew that it, it run pretty deep. But the more he figured, when, once they start realizing, oh, man, this is applying to the Gentiles. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's got enough grace for that. And they, that's why they started preaching to the Gentiles. And that's why Gentiles started getting saved. He was glad. I like being around people that are glad. Not, you don't have to be glad all the time. I don't want you to fake it till you make it. But some people, there's, there's an unglad. Go ahead and fake it <laughs> till you make it. But there should be some things that make us glad. Now, I, I promised growing up, and especially when I first got married and the first kid came along, I knew everything then. I learned real quick, I don't. And my kid was never going to 
I wasn't going to be that parent with my kid playing sports that was on the sidelines getting excited and screaming. I was going to be composed. <laughs> no. I, I, no, no, I, I thought that. No, no, until one of my kids did one of those plays, had one of them uh, scored, and I'll start bragging on them, and I, I just come unglued. Then my, my daughter last year, she was going to try to do a move, and this boy was running up uh, to defend her, and she was going to try to flip the ball around him. Well, she kind of missed it, and that ball hit him like right in the face. And they let the play go, and she took it, took it on past, passed it to the, I, I, I come unglued. Yeah! I was excited. And I saw it last night. Now, it was tryouts last night, and there and I stayed calm last night. Don't worry, church. But there was a dad there. It was the first time his boy was playing. And his boy was playing goalie. And Brother Clay, he come this close to getting that ball right in the face. But somehow he hit it with his shoulder and it blocked. And that dad stood up like he had just scored from half field. And he was excited. He looked around kind of embarrassed and said, I know the feeling. You get glad for your kids. You get excited for them. I got more glad when my kids got saved. A few of them. Not all of them. Some we're worried about. I'm kidding. But I got excited. Because at first you don't expect it. And then he's, he's saving my kids. And you get glad when you see the good thing. And Paul and Barnabas here is getting glad. His reaction, he was glad. But notice his message. For he was a good man. I was reading today in my devotion, Ian Bounds said, we need to realize that it does matter the man behind the message. Now again, the glory, the power is in this message. But if us preachers aren't careful, we'll live in such a way, we'll take away from the message. But Paul, I mean, Barnabas here, Paul's the same way. So if I get my name switched, I'm sorry, but we need some good men. We need good preachers, but we need good men. You know, men that'll work hard, men that'll provide for their family, men that'll show their boys how to work, men that'll show their girls how men's to treat them. That's why I purposely, as my daughter's getting older, I show her affection, but... I, I, I'm showing this is how a man treats you. He don't treat you rudely. He, how I treat their mom in front of them is me trying to show, show them, you know, how to, uh, how to treat a lady, how they should be treated, how they're, uh, when they're 30 and, and decide to get married, how their husbands need to treat them. Because I try to be a good man, but somebody hurts my little girl. There's a part of me. I don't know what's going to come. <laughs> they don't want the old man to show up. He was a good man. And I'm glad I've gotten to know some good men. Sometimes you realize... It's in ministry. You need good men in ministry. You need good men around the church. You need good men in the homes. But notice not only 
And I'm building up. This point is his message. Not only was he a good man, but it said he was filled. He was full of the Holy Ghost. What that means is that the Holy Ghost had all of him. He, he, he didn't half commit. He, he wasn't here in body and his mind is thinking about everything he has to do. And there's a temptation to everybody here. There, there's always going to be that temptation that our minds to be out, here, out there. The Holy Ghost said, if you don't come to church, I want all of you. And I might want to speak to you during the day. So that's why if we don't start our day, I'm the world's worst. If I don't start my day talking to him, that day will pass and it's 8.30, 9 o'clock and I'm trying to, oh, I need to pray. You know, and you're falling asleep. But the whole, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And you don't have to be a preacher to be full of the Holy Ghost. He said, be ye filled. He didn't say, but you men... He didn't say you women. He didn't say you pastors. He didn't say you preachers. He didn't say you Sunday school teachers. He didn't say you deacons. He just said to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that's the expectation that God has for all of us. And it'll change your life. Because the Holy Ghost isn't convenient. He don't give convenient truths. Sometimes if I've had a disagreement with my wife, I don't like what the Holy Ghost tells me, Brother Ron. You shouldn't have said that. Maybe I was short with my kids. I, I, I was harsh. And the Holy Ghost went, hmm. Some preacher you are. <laughs> I don't know if he talks to you like that, but that's how he talks to me. Some Christian you are. You was asking me to touch it to be filled. That's, that ain't it. And man, he'll just wear me out. But if we're going to be full with the Holy Ghost, that means we're going to be obedient. And he was full and of faith. And not only was he full of the Holy Ghost, but he was full of faith. This wasn't just theory. He was connected. That's, that's the idea of faith. It's not just saving faith, but it's that daily walk. That's, that's, it's the same principle in that, as I was talking the other, uh, uh, other Sunday night about hope, that if you can see it, if you can put your hands on it, that's not really hope. Hope's a belief in the future on something you can't see. And faith operates similarly. as if it's all about what you can see, what you can feel, what you can touch... You know, if the money's in the bank, you're good. If, uh, if everything's going right in your life, good. God's good. But faith is God is good when everything isn't going in my life because of what the book says and because of what I feel inside. I've never, I, I, I've never seen Jesus' uh, scarred brow. I've never seen his, his nail-scarred hands. I've never seen the cross. I've never even been to the Holy Land. I'd love to go one day, but I've never been. If I go, it's not going to make me even any more saved, nor is it going to make me even any more full of faith. Because I believe on the work that was done at the cross, on the blood that was shed at the cross. That's, that's my entire confidence is the faith I have in that. That's why I'm saved. Not because my dad was a preacher, my granny prayed and loved Jesus, that's not why I'm saved and why I have hope, and neither was Barnabas. The reason he had faith and the reason we can have faith is because of when we put saving faith in him, a belief in someone we can't see who is more real than anything around us. That is faith. It's the principle of, 
of a kite. You have a string, and the kite's in the air, and you, the kite's so high you can't see it, but you can feel the tug, even though you can't feel it. That is the idea of faith. It's a connection. Faith is the idea of fastening. Uh, y'all that have a boat, uh, you don't you get off the boat at the dock. You don't just leave it, but you, you tie something to the dock. You fasten something to the dock to keep the boat from flowing away. That's the concept of faith. Something has you fastened to something that keeps you firm, that keeps you solid. That is faith. And that was what Barnabas was like. That, w- that was his character. And notice his character enabled him to preach this message. That with purpose of heart, not haphazardly. Place something in your heart. Cleave unto him. Brother Marty, grab a hold of him. Cleave means to stick to, to adhere to, to hold to, to unite, to fit, to sit well on, to unite or be united closely in interest or affection, to adhere with a strong attachment. That's what Barnabas' message was to them. It was a simple message, but just get close to Jesus. Draw nigh. You see... There's nothing wrong with sometimes changing methods, but we better be careful with that message. Okay? We better be careful what we do when we change things. Uh, We better be close to where it's going to take Jesus to do anything. And And my relationship with Him matters. Okay? Uh, I can't remember if I mentioned the first time I preached here uh, a few months ago, uh, but I was preaching about that armor, that spiritual armor. And you remember, what does it say about the helmet? What is the helmet called? The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Do you all remember when Jesus saved you? You remember the change? You remember the weight? Now, I don't want to bring up memories, but would anybody be honest and say, Brother Josh, I've sinned over the last six months. I've sinned sometimes willfully. I, need to, I shouldn't be doing that. Okay? Now, while you were sinning, did you have in your mind, it is so good to be saved. Let me go do what he said not to do. Let me react. Oh, I'm in it. I'm at my anger. I know I'm at reacting wrongly. I'm so glad to be saved. You know, and you're hollering at the bad driver that just cut you off in traffic. You know. And it's not that you're hollering at him, it's what you're hollering at him. If my mind, if I was cleaving to Jesus like he deserves, if I was holding on to him I want this relationship to be right. It's like when you first meet your wife and your courtner. Any little argument, but Ron, you're trying to fix it. You know? Our first argument, this probably wasn't first, this is the first I remember, where she decided she was going to go back to South Georgia in my truck, which was a stick shift, She's laughing out. She's like, what's he about to tell? Oh, yes, he can tell that. I won't kill him when I get home. So 
This is, I forgot what we were arguing about, to be honest with you. All I knew was she got in my truck, you know, and we lived on the side of a cliff. And I got, I got on my knees on the side of the truck. Listen, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Because all I could see is that truck just going down and taking out the well, taking out everything that we own. I was doing everything I could do to make it right. You remember what it was like when you first got saved and how disappointed you were in yourself that you still sinned? And how you just tried to keep short accounts when you first got saved? And everything bothered you? You know, uh... You realize that the old man, if you'd let it live, it was very much alive and it would rise up and give you fits, okay? And how you wanted to make things right, that's cleaving to the Lord. And that's what he's saying. That's the message he was bringing to that church where he said, uh, just get close to Jesus. Get back in love with Jesus. Don't, think, take, don't take things for granted, don't take things for granted. Husbands, we shouldn't take for granted that they know we love them. You ever been to a funeral uh, uh, and somebody's bearing their wife or bearing their husband, they're like, I wish I could just tell them I loved them one more time. They knew I loved them, right? I wish I could just tell them one more time. And it matters not if they told them a hundred times a day or if they told them once in their marriage. They never feel that they did. They went far enough to show them that they loved them, and they just wish they had one more time. There's going to come a day where we're going to wish that we had done, showed him we loved him just a little bit more. He's going to be good to us no matter what. But when we have to stand before him, and he shows us what we could have done if we'd have just kept that relationship right with him, if we'd have just cleaved to him. Earl Hughes used to preach. He said, I want to cleave so close to him I can, I can hear the blood dropping from Calvary. That's love. That, that's interest. That's purposeful heart living. And that was what Barnabas preached. Consider Barnabas. Consider Barnabas. And notice what he did. He said he went and sought Saul. He was always trying to put people together. You don't see that so much in Paul's life till he's later on in life for Terry. He's trying to put Onesimus together. He's trying to, everybody he's talked to, he's trying to put the brethren together at the end. But you remember there was the dispute between John Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. He wanted to give John Mark a second chance. He's trying to put people back together. That was his heart. It was his consolation. That was who he was. And he wasn't jealous. He's seeking Saul. Some people was like, we get jealous. That, that preacher's got the preeminence. He's preaching first. Or he's preaching, the, he's preaching the Friday night service. And I'm here preaching in the morning. I'm not <laughs> preaching at all. And you get jealous and you grieve the spirit in the, in, in the service. That wasn't Barnabas. He didn't care. Uh, he, he didn't care who got the glory. He was just excited. I'm getting to serve the Lord. He said, and when he found him, he brought him back into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. By the time, or the, by the time Barnabas and Paul got through with them, they learned how to look, act like Christ. 
to the point it was derogatory. Look, they're Christians, little Christ running over there. They're like, that's okay. Because of Barnabas, because of Paul. And in closing, there's five things I want y'all to take away. Five things I want y'all to learn from Barnabas. First of all, he was willing to get out of his comfort zone. 280 miles. Went. We're not told he grew up anywhere else beside Jerusalem, but he went wherever. He literally lived feet shod with the preparation of the gospel piece. He went as far as he had to physically. He, he, he was beat. He, he, he went through it. He got out of his comfort zone. And I don't want to be beat. I don't want to, nobody wants to lose anything. But we got to get willing to get out of our comfort zones. It's comfortable not to, you know, just not to talk. How you doing? Sometimes that can, just having a pleasant, so let's start with that. And then sometimes the Lord will say, hey, do you go to church anywhere? You know, have that conversation. Get out of our comfort zone. Get out of our comfort zone and help with ministries around the church. You might find this shocking. But every Thursday night, I do not feel, nor does every other preacher helping in that ministry, feel 100%. Let's go to a jail cell and preach. Most of those guys don't want it. But they need the gospel. That's not, and that was the hardest thing, getting out of my comfort zone. Okay? Sometimes I get out of my comfort zone because others are getting out of their comfort zone. Sometimes it just takes one person. One person showing kindness. One person... And that spreads. But so does selfishness. So does comfort. People, seeing people get out of their comfort zone. Well, I don't want them to go by themselves. I'm going to go help. I'm going to go knock on the door. I'm going to go visit that person. I'm going to go help, help do. I'm going to... And you see people working. You know, I see people hauling garbage. You know? I need to go help them. There's three other bags. It's been, we've had a meal around the church. You go and help. Just the little things. That's getting out of our comfort zone. And it is so easy to not do that. But it's good when people do. Let's be willing to get out of our comfort zone like Barnabas. Secondly, he was always encouraging others. He was building up instead of tearing down. I found that as a, as a parent... I found out as a parent, we better be careful with our words. Now, some of my kids, it's like, they're, they're the stubborn ones. It's like two goats just butting heads every time. But some of them, I have to be extremely careful with my tone and extremely careful with my words. And if that's true with parents, it's true with other people as well. And if we're going to use this tongue the words that have come out of our mouth thousands have gotten saved Peter okay the God has used words to be a comfort to millions but he also said this is set on the fire of hell 
I can't remember who said this, but our tongue can be so dangerous. He, he's covered it in saliva. He's protected it. He put a gates of ivory, our teeth, and a gate of flesh over that because the tongue is so dangerous. So we, let's be careful. So let's be like Barnabas. Let's use our words. Let's use our efforts to encourage others. You can do it. And that was good. I've had people encourage me. I knew I bombed. <laughs> you did not have to tell me. You'd have, <laughs> you're always going to have some people to go to church with. That was tough, wasn't it? No kidding. You know, no kidding. But you always say, man, that was good. And it means something. Because <laughs> they know you might say, and it makes, you know, when they bomb, you know, hey, that was good. <laughs> Shut up, you know. <laughs> but they know, they know the heart, and he was encouraging. And then thirdly, focused on Christ. In this generation, we've learned we can't be focused on our cell phones while we're driving. Okay? It's dangerous. It's, things can happen. Though we've probably all been a little negligent at times on our phones. What they're saying is focus on what's most important while you're doing that is the road. He is our most important. He is what motivates us. He is the reward is sometimes we're just preaching and we're just teaching. We're just serving. We're just leading. We're just helping. We're just trying to enable because of him. It's all because of him. That's how Barnabas lived. Not only was he focused on Christ, but he lived what he preached. That's leadership right there. That's how I want to live. Not only, not only did he live like Christ, he, he didn't just preach theory, but he's, he's got these others that Six months ago, they didn't look like that. They didn't dress like that. They didn't talk like that. And now they're talking like Jesus. Now they're acting like Jesus. And that's what we need more of. And that should motivate us. He lived what he preached. And lastly, he was focused on winning souls. When we get to the end of our life and we have to give account... There's not going to be questions on. There's not going to be a question and there's not going to be an emphasis. Nowhere in this Bible will be an emphasis on how, where, how well we took care of our physical house that we lived in and we thank God for a nice place to live. He's not going to care that we got to the place where we could buy the vehicle we wanted. We, could, we, we have the dream property. We have. That's not going to matter. What does matter to me is my kids saved. What does matter is there's people in my mind in the jail that I've gotten to lead to the Lord. That's going to matter, Brother Mike, in our hearts, those that we've, we've impacted, the kids y'all have helped, the kids that you're going to help in these, with that, that ministry. Okay? On Wednesday nights, there's other things y'all could do. There's going to be times where y'all might need a message, but you're going to be ministering. Same thing we do at ministries at Wahoo. There's times people could be getting help themselves, but they're ministering. Why? Because you're trying to win souls. You're trying to make the impact on, on somebody that if they don't get born again, they're going to enter that cycle of 
sin, violence, drugs. People getting that cycle. Me, me, me. And they never get out. Let's keep our emphasis on souls. Sometimes we got to shake ourselves up. Man, I hadn't thought about, man, I hadn't prayed for anybody's soul. And when we realize that, let's just not acknowledge it, but let's fix it. That's where it starts is individually. You see something wrong in your heart, and you don't try to fix it yourself, but you take it to the Lord. And that's what it means when it said he was filled. The Holy Ghost said, "Mm, don't talk like that. You see, we're trying to get everybody fixed on the outside. You see, he was replicating. So it tells me, Terry, that those people that was getting saved, they were good men, good women. That they were filled with the Holy Ghost too. So they probably looked rough. It was these Grecians getting saved. Okay? They would have looked different, dressed different than the Jews. And so when they, they probably come in, they look rough as a cop. You know? Probably said a few words like, where'd that come from? But by the time that year was over, God got to work it in them. They got born again. And God got to work it in them. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was a lot easier. They started talking differently. They started acting differently. They started looking like... And all Paul had to do and all Barnabas had to do was just get them saved Get them in love with Jesus. That's another way of saying let's cleave to Jesus. Get in love with him. Get in love with him. And let's live for him. Let's do a work for him. And let I don't want to just be an average Christian. Oh, I've been. <laughs> I've been less than an average Christian in my past. But looking forward, I don't want to be an average Christian. The average Christian tonight, Brother Ron, never been filled. Never had God, but Terry Stir. Never been moved. I, I, I watch you singing. You get happy. You get excited. The average Christian in most churches has never experienced that, but they can. Average ex- Christians never been filled with the Holy Ghost. I, and it is hard to explain the joy. It is hard to explain that. But we have an example how to do it and how to live it. And and it's not a magic formula. It's coming to him in prayer. Here I am. Help me be more like you, less like me. I want to be like you today. Do a work in me. Cleanse me, God. I'm sorry for what I said last night. I fell again. Please forgive me, Father. I'm sorry for thinking that, doing that, acting like... And he starts doing a work in you. And it's nothing it's nothing special about you. Anybody that's been born again can have this. Consider Barnabas. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you tonight. We thank you for the people's attention. And we pray you'll bless them. And help us take these thoughts uh, and learn from it. Lord, there's things I can learn from. Even as I'm preaching this, Lord, you reminded me of things in my life I need to do better with. Lord, let us fall in love with you. Every day, let us wake up glad that you love us. 
and glad we get to love you and serve you and be filled with the Holy Ghost and win others to Christ. Lord, we pray. Go with us tonight and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Again, appreciate y'all's attention tonight, and let's be in praying. Again, let's pray for our kids as they start back with school and uh, and the, the burdens, the prayer requests that we're meeting.